With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello. Good evening. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am here with Beth Macklin and surprise guest, Adam Herman. And we will be conducting the 25th Bantering the Blue Shirts. They said we'd never make it this far. They said we'd not even make 10 episodes, but here we are on the 25th episode. Feels good to be alive. Beth, Adam, how are you guys doing today? All right. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Okay, we're all doing all right. The show is today because we have a game tomorrow, and then Thanksgiving is on Thursday. And who wants to do this on Thanksgiving? Although, if you want to listen to us on Thanksgiving, you can. We would appreciate that. Uh, Just some quick housekeeping information. At some point, my dog is going to go crazy because my wife is going to come home, so be ready for that. Uh, I want to thank out. We uh, started our Patreon last week to uh, help invest some new technology into the show make it a little bit better for you guys we've had some people already come through and uh, help us out tony anthony viola dan's lynch who was on the show uh, last week george Whitman, who's bsb for 50 for those of you who don't know michael silvers who's usually in the chat but he's not here now and trevor kempner are uh, some of our donors and we'd like to thank you and we appreciate all the support that you give us as we go forward like i said the first thing we're going to do is Get some new mics, probably get a couple of Skype some subscriptions. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Uh, throw the money right back into the show to make it a better listener experience for you guys and then kind of figure out where we're going there. But just wanted to thank you for the support. There's a bunch of people who have already gone in and donated. We appreciate that. We appreciate that the way that a lot of people appreciate the Rangers winning hockey games, which is a cheesy transition into them actually winning the hockey game yesterday against Pittsburgh after 20 minutes of probably some of the worst hockey we've seen in a long time. Um, Before we get into the Penguins, before we get into uh, the loss to Florida and the loss to Columbus, Mika Zibanejad is out six to eight weeks with a broken femur on that really disgusting play uh, against Florida in overtime where his knee like bent the completely wrong way and it was gross. Pavel Buchnevich got an MRI. There was no structural damage to his back, but he needs to work on his core. He's going to be out for three weeks. Uh, I would say that's two of the Rangers' top five or six forwards, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Adam, how do the Rangers shape up long time with uh, Mika Zibanejad out for eight months and uh, – or eight, eight weeks, eight months, Jesus. And Buchnevich for uh, three weeks. Yeah, uh, it sucks, obviously. Um you know, Rangers have been kind of a bit lucky with injuries the last few years. Um, so, you know, it sucks, especially that it's kind of happened at the same time instead of staggered, but it is what it is. Um, you know, you look at uh, 
the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, you know, they had Stamkos and Stallman out at the same time, and they made it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, basically. Um, you know, despite that, and that's that's what good teams do, you know. Um, it'd be one thing if Lundqvist got hurt, but the Rangers obviously have a lot of forward depth, um, and not just depth, but a lot of also, you know, high-end players. So, obviously, it's a hit to the offense. It's a hit to the defense, too, because of the work that the Banners and Butch Neighbors do defensively, but um, you know, I, I think I think they'll be all right. Beth, I mean, they have to be right. I mean, what else are you going to do? Um, have we had? When was the last time we actually had all of the forwards healthy, or has that not even happened so far? Or was it right uh, at the I don't beginning? Think so. for I a don't even weeks, think it's, it's happened because Blue Snevis was out the first couple of games, then Kreider yeah. was injured. Uh, I would say they have not been. It was Lindbergh too. Yeah, Lindbergh as well. Yeah, so the, so I mean they haven't. It's not as if there was, you know, complete health and now parts fell off. We've been, especially unfortunately, Buznevich. I mean we we've been dealing with this all along, and you know if last night's any indication, um, they're just going to cope with it and go forward. Uh, I would like to welcome everybody to the show, new Blue Shirt Panther writer, Jack McKenna, who has joined us secretly. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Joe. How, how are you? How's everyone else? Uh, doing? I, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, Jack has been begging to come on the show for a while, and he uh, <laughs> reminded me of that, and now seems like a good time. It's it's a regular old party. Uh, I saw you were on hold. Did you hear the question? You got anything to add to the injuries to Zibanejad and Buksnevich? Um, I just really think... I guess with how the Rangers have been playing previously, I just think it kind of muddies the water because how seriously can we take how this team is performing recently? Because I don't think it's too early to jump the gun. I think Buchnevich has kind of proved himself as one of this team's best forwards, definitely one of their top six. And Zabinijad at this point, he's pretty much neck and neck with Stepan and Hayes as their, not their number one center, but their best center. So even if they start to slump a little bit in the numbers for the upcoming stretch, I can't really... I don't think we can take it too seriously until they get back and we see what this team really is when they've got their best 12 guys ready to go. Back throwing the high heat early on that one. That was going to be my point. <laughs> I guess through the first 20 minutes yesterday when the world was ending, uh, part of my – I had called this game a litmus test. For those of you who listened last week on Archive or Live, Dan's 10 joined the show, and he talked about how th- these next 10 games are going to be really telling for the Rangers, going up against Columbus – Rangers are going to play Pittsburgh, two games in a home-and-home. The Rangers are going to play Chicago, I believe. There's a lot of really good teams out here that the Rangers are dealing with. And you have to expect some type of a struggle because, like it or not, Buchnevich is one of the best possession players the Rangers have had to this point. And Zibanejad, even when he was struggling, was still taking care of the puck in his own zone and creating opportunities. And I think he's already proven to be the best of what we got out of Derek Broussard with more on top of it. So to be down both of them, it's kind of easy to forget about because of just how much talent the Rangers had. Brandon Peary moved up to the third line, and that was really the big adjustment that the Rangers made to these two injuries. There's not a lot of teams who could just sit there and make a little adjustment to losing two top six players, and that's what the Rangers did. That explosive offense was still there. Uh, I think the possession game is going to take something of a hit because Zibanejad and Buchnevich were two players who were really good at moving the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. I, I think you've seen 
a little bit of the Rangers struggling without Buchnevich's neutral zone play. But overall, the Rangers, they're not healthy. They're not even close to healthy. You don't know if Chris Kreider is 100%. Uh, Lindbergh still looks like he's working his way back into the lineup, although I'm not sure how long he is for the team at this point. Buchnevich really hasn't been healthy while he played. Zibanejad's now eight for, out for eight weeks. There's a lot of balls up in the air in terms of the offense. And we saw Kevin Klein go down with an injury. He came back yesterday. I think the Rangers can really stomach any type of a defensive injury that isn't to McDonough or Brady Shea right now. But you look at this team and you look at the way that they're winning hockey games, and I do expect to see some struggles. I expect to see some issues without Zibanejad and Buchnevich. But if yesterday's 40 minutes, the final 40 minutes, were any indication about what this team could do, there's a lot of things to be positive about because if the Rangers can beat some of these elite teams unhealthy, imagine what they can do when they are healthy. Um, Adam, what would be your thoughts on, on this part of the subject? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think people kind of take the Banerjad for granted. And it's not that, you know, he, people think he's bad or anything, but he, he does a lot of work that goes unnoticed and kind of doesn't, um, you know, get adequate appreciation, I think. I mean, he has 15 points in 19 games, you know, and like people talking about him struggling, as you mentioned, which to a degree, yeah, but, you know, I, I'll take 15 points out of 19 games out of, you know, my second line center any day, of, you know, any season. That's great. And, uh, and uh, you know, and that, that's that's ignoring the defensive work he does. Um, he, he's really a great defensive center, which is the one area where he's a, he's an, um, you know, pretty big upgrade over Derek Broussard. Um <clears throat> And, um, and, you know, and it's the same thing with Bucinavich. I think everyone's well aware right now about, you know, his vision, uh, you know, how good he is with the puck on his stick, you know, scoring. But he's, he's a very good defensive winger. And the, the numbers so far on him, you know, it's early, but the numbers back it up. He's, his shot suppression numbers are very good. Um, so, I, I, you know, the obvious, the obvious uh, way this hurts the Rangers is, you know, in terms of the offensive impact. But, um you know, we know that the Rangers, uh, you know, if they have one Achilles heel, it's, it's you know, going the other way. Um, so these are these are two big losses in the defensive end. And I think that's that's the bigger issue more than any offensive um, impact loss. The other thing to mention, Beth, before I give you a second just to jump in on this, Josh Joris came back as well from injury, which is kind of a big deal. I've been pretty impressed with him top to bottom. I think his defensive play has been really good and, He's added some things offensively that I wasn't really expecting out of him. So in terms of a timing standpoint, it does kind of make it a little bit easier, not that you're replacing the quality and the talent of Bucinavich and Zibanejad with Peary and Lind- or excuse me, with um, Joris and Lindbergh, but you at least have two bodies that aren't a Tanner Glass-esque player, if not Tanner <laughs> yeah. Glass himself, up on the lineup. Uh, Beth, anything to throw in here? No, I mean, you know, this is what we're looking at right now. And um, like Adam said, you know, it's the problems we should have to deal with are the ones going the other way, really. So we can move to that. Or what else did you have in mind, Joe? (laughs) Uh, Just as an easy segue, Adam, you want to throw in your two cents on uh, Pumple and the Rangers' acquisition of him. And it kind of sounds like he's going to get a look just based on some of the things that Vigneault Mm -hmm. has been saying about him. Any Quick tips you want to throw out there for the people before we jump into the Pittsburgh game? Um, yeah, I mean you can you can read my article on this is buying or uh, on 
they're just claiming on the website where I kind of break down his game. But, you know, basically he's a guy who, at least in terms of his style, fits the Rangers. Um, he's a good skater. He has a good first step um, when accelerating. So he could be a good transition player. And then, you know, he's kind of a multi-tool player in the offensive zone. He's a good passer, but he can also rip shots. Um, problem for him is that, you know, just for one reason or another, it hasn't translated at the NHL level um, to any degree. Um, you know, and we saw kind of the same thing with Emerson Edom. It didn't work out with him, but, you know, then there's also, you know, a guy like Brandon Peary who bounced around a bunch or, you know, Ben LaPuglia and, you know, it was kind of just the right situation, uh, for them given a chance given. Yeah, sure. Grabner too. Um, you know, it's kind of the thing where you just put a guy in the right situation, you know, maybe he matures a bit, um, you know, and, and maybe, you know, you catch catch lightning in a box, um, you know. So we'll see what happens with Pumple. Um, you know, am I optimistic? I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but you know uh, what? You know what is encouraging about this is that the Rangers, you know, again, are reinforcing the idea that all right, like you know, we've learned from the past. We're, we're trying to, you know, become a modern NHL team, and we're gonna try to build through skilled players and, and young players, um, you know, because how, how easy would it have imagined the Rangers like last year or two years ago, right? Being in the same situation, right? Zabanajad injured, Lindbergh still kind of, you know, feeling his way and panicking and signing Mike Richards to shore up, to shore up the depth as, a, as an experienced veteran who can penalty kill, right? Like that would have been the obvious move the Rangers would have made a year or two ago um, to fill, to fill a hole. So, you know, regardless of whether Pumple works out or not, it's encouraging to see, you know, that at least thematically this is this is how they want to fix issues. This is how they want to plug holes. Yeah, the well, days of Dan Pae and Jared Stoll are gladly in the past. I was <laughs> exactly. just about to bring up both of those players. Those are guys that the Rangers obviously thought were solutions to their problems, and they very clearly were not, so... To see the Rangers go in this direction definitely makes a lot of sense, and it's a positive. I think that's the Jeff Gordon effect. Having, and again, I know it would have been difficult with his cap hit, but having Boone Evis come up for that one game when the Rangers lost um, Bruce Nevich and, and didn't have a replacement, rather than a guy like Tanner Glass, says a lot about the direction that the Rangers are moving in. Honestly, there have been really encouraging things about the Rangers' forward progress, and I don't mean that just from the standpoint of the team moving forward. I mean that literally in terms of the forwards and the defense has kind of been the wild card here. We don't really know what to say or what to think about that, but I'm sure we'll get into that as we go. Um, Let's kind of switch gears back to the game yesterday. So the Rangers lose to Columbus. The Rangers lose to Florida. Keith Yandel scores a power play goal, of course. Uh, The Rangers come out the first 20 minutes and Pittsburgh wipes the floor with them. They're down two nothing. And you go from that to what ends up being a, a statement win. Uh, Beth, what are your thoughts on just that game as a whole? Did we learn a lot about the Rangers? Was it a little bit more lucky, or is this kind of who they are? Oh, no, you, you can't call that luck. By the end, that was decisive, I think. Um, that, that was just a complete change in the, in the tone of the game. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, so – two goals off of random body parts that aren't necessarily supposed to score goals. Um, but, you know, I mean, from where they were that you could argue that, you know, had the puck been put somewhere else, it also would have gone in. 
you know, had it been put on their stick. So I guess, you know, those two goals uh, are a little bit garbage, but the way they took over the play wasn't garbage at all. The the fact that they were able to get there and set those goals up, not garbage. It was a complete transformation. And by the time I saw the game, I already knew how it turned out, but even that didn't help watching that first period um, where I started to think, okay, you know, this is the, the Penguins play us to make their, you know, new baby Penguins feel good about themselves. We did that for Murray. We did, we're doing this for that new kid, whoever his name is. What was it? His, like, first seconds on the ice Gunsel. and he scores on yeah. us? Yeah, and then yep. again, you know, just for good measure. So, you know, it wasn't even like it was bad. It was like it's going to be epically, memorably bad again. Um, but it says something about the team that they came back in the second determined to turn it around to play their own game. And the thing I like about it, too, is that you really, I think, saw that throughout the second period. It wasn't like they just all of a sudden made one good play and their mood changed, which would be sort of more of a mood swing. I don't know if you can quite see what I'm saying, but it was like they really came out and changed the tone of the game before they even start, you know, before they even scored four or five goals in a row. Um, yeah. And that, to me, is is a is a good look for them and it says good things about them. So now they've come from behind on the caps and they've come from behind on the pens. I was going to be happy remember <laughs> I was going to be happy if they took one, they've taken one, but I mean if they play like that, I think there's a good chance they can take the next game against the pens too. But I mean that's looking ahead. But yeah, it was it was sort of the mental shift I saw on the team, the adjustment, uh the buckling down that to me, made me really optimistic about them. Penguins, Capitals, Bruins, Edmonton, those are the games I can remember where the Rangers had a pretty dismal first period and, and then turned the final 40 minutes around and ended up winning the games. Just before I let Jack jump in on this, your point to sort of the lucky goals, I tried to bring this up in the recap too. The easy example is Jimmy Vesey has the, the puck on a stick in the slot. He, he takes a shot and he just gets stoned. It's an unbelievable save by Flurry, And nine times out of ten, that's a goal. Nine times out of ten, Miller doesn't score with his ass on that play. So those things even out one way or another. And you, you're right, it was a transformation. The Rangers were a very different team. They dominated that game. Sometimes you make your own luck. And to Adam's point yesterday on Twitter, good for the Rangers because these goal-scoring opportunities don't happen without putting the puck on net. And that's exactly, exactly what the Rangers yeah. did when they got lucky. So it, it, that's not something you would have seen last year. You would have seen the perfect pass. You would have tried to do the dipsy do or the spin around or Zuccarello would have had the puck on a breakaway and he would have packed past to someone who was covered. All that stuff was pretty run of the mill last year. You're not seeing that now out of this team. And not to go too long on this, the Rangers have a quick strike ability that never keeps them out of the game. Even if they're playing bad, they have a lethal offense that can run up and down that ice and hang with anyone. And when teams fall behind against the Rangers and they open the game up, that's exactly what the Rangers want. This is the first time in recent memory I can ever remember the Rangers wanting to run and gun with another team. It never used to be like that. And now I don't care who they're going up against. The Rangers just ran and gun, run and gun, ran and gun, <laughs> I guess. Ran and gun really doesn't work. With Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel, and they came out on the other side with a dominant performance. So this is not last year's team. There are concerns here. There's issues with the sustainability. You're not sure whether or not the Rangers are going to keep this going. But this team has serious talent up and down the lineup, and there's not a single game they're ever out of. Do not turn the TV off when you're watching them. I don't care what the score is. Jack, your thoughts? 
you are Jack. With, um, yeah, <laughs> Wake no, up, Jack. Just, anyway, yeah. Just with how the team's been, obviously they've been coming back a lot. Just having four lines really changes the dynamic of the game. I'm sure, Joe, you've written about it before. No team is really rolling four lines that can score and can just drive play like the Rangers have been this season. So it's just a completely different dynamic that teams can't really prepare for until they're on the ice and they see it coming at them, and by then it's usually too late. Even if they jump ahead, Rangers roll out third, fourth lines, and they just come back and make a game out of it. Adam? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, branching off of the, um, you know, the kind of fluky goals um, and, you know, and I, I discussed this on Twitter, but obviously, you know, a puck going in off of JT Miller's butt and whatever, you know, um, not exactly how you draw it up. Um, definitely a fortunate bounce, but, you know, like I said, if you do the right things, you know, you get those bounces, you know. And, I mean, look, if if, if someone's hit by lightning, you're going to say that, you know, it was super unlucky. But if people kept getting hit by lightning in that same area, eventually you're going to say, all right, well, you know, fortunate or not, you know, don't go to that area. So, you know, the Rangers keep scoring goals in a similar way. Um, you know, Zabanejad, before he got hit against Florida, it was the same thing. A pass across the crease, it hit his skate, it goes in. Um, so, you know, you look at the bounces themselves, they're lucky, but, you know, at some point you recognize, all right, well, this is generating bounces, you know, so keep doing it. Um, because at that point, it's no longer really a bounce. Um, it's it's a designed play. Um, so I, I don't view those as, as fluke goals, you know. I would view those fluke goals as ones where, you know, a guy's shooting the puck from the point and it's a weak wrister and the goalie just whiffs on it. You know, those are not sustainable. Those are not going to continue to go in. Um, those, so if those were the goals that were being scored, I would be worried. But these are the goals that, you know, the Rangers can continue to score. Um, you know, the pass across the slot, guys crashing the net, it's just inevitably with so many bodies in front and close to the net, like you're going to get those bounces. Um, so I, I have no problem with the way in which the Rangers scored the goals last night, even if they weren't um, super pretty. Uh, it's an effective way to put the puck in the net, and they've done it all season long. And that's part of their quick strike ability that we've we've been talking about and we've focused about and, and we've probably harped on quite a bit. You look at the body of work the Rangers have put together, and it's remarkable. It really is remarkable just how much the Rangers have really stepped forward in the goals department. This is not – when the New York Rangers went on their hot streak last year, and we've talked about this before, they were not generating shots. They were not holding possession. They were not getting scoring chances. And they were scoring four or five goals on 15 shots, 17 shots, maybe 20 shots. And when those numbers started coming back down to earth, when their PDO left like that 107 percentage range, they had no answer for it. This year, the Rangers are definitely shooting hot. They're, we're going to get to this in a minute, but if you haven't seen it, Hockey Stat Miner put out a chart that just shows the percent growth in the player's shooting percentage right now versus their career shooting percentage. Those numbers aren't going to stay up there very often. Michael Grabner is shooting 210% higher than he's ever averaged in his career. That type of stuff isn't necessarily something you're going to continue to see up there. Jimmy Vesey is a good example. He went from, I think, 35% the first 10 games of the year. Now he's down to 20%. He's not going to stay at 20%. He's going to go even lower than that, but that's still a little bit more manageable. 
But this year's Rangers team has so much talent up and down the lineup that there are no – when one guy goes cold, another guy gets hot. When he goes cold, another guy gets hot. There have been a lot of mm-hmm. heroes. And that's because of the depth of this lineup. And I talked about this in that story. We have not seen a team do something like this before. I can't think of a team who sacrificed any type of traditional defense, bottom six, fourth line for just four lines of skill. And the Rangers have not been worse off because of it. And they're winning a lot of games because of it. And I'm sure a lot of teams had an opportunity to do this and they didn't. Hell, the Rangers have had opportunities to do this and they haven't. I don't know what changed this year. But the Rangers are never out of a game, like I said. And it it makes an enormous difference. It really does. Um, Speaking of Michael Grabner, he is tied for the NHL lead with 12 goals. He's on pace for a 50-goal season. He has easily been the Rangers' most consistent forward. He's probably been the Rangers' best forward in a lot of ways. One of the things that I really love about him is the fact that he's creating his own offense. This is not a guy who's benefiting from sick passes from Hayes or, or Stefan or Zuccarello or even Zibanejad. This is someone who is very simply doing whatever it is he can do to score goals, using his speed, blocking shots, and creating odd man rushes. He's creating a lot of breakaways on his own. He's been lethal, shorthanded. I mean, first of all, what can you say at this point about what he's brought to the table? And second of all, at what point do the Rangers really need to start thinking, huh, we're going to have to trade him this summer because he was expansion fodder, but he's probably getting taken at this point. You don't want to lose him for nothing. Adam, I'll let you kick us off on that one. Uh, I mean, in regards to the expansion draft, that's it's a tough one, obviously. Um and I, I don't think they're ready to make any decisions on that one yet. I don't think they're in any pressing need to. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I mean, if we learned anything from the last few years, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> teams aren't perfect. They're pretty reactionary. And if you can, you know, you don't want to trade a guy when he's cold. And if you can trade a guy when he's hot and get peak value for him, then you should do it. So that's something that at some point the Rangers are going to have to consider. Um, you know, but I mean, for now, I think they're pretty content just, you know, letting him be him on, on the Rangers because, you know, uh, you know, I, I, in my Grabner article, I wrote this. It's not that he's the Rangers' best player, but he's the player who kind of most exemplifies what it is they're about. Um, just good defensive awareness in the defensive zone, forcing turnovers, and then um, a quick transition the other way for odd man rushes, you know, that's, that's pretty much what the Rangers want to do. And he, he kind of, you know, personifies it to a T. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think I need to tell anyone he's not going to end the year with 50 goals. Although, you know, never say never, who knows, but um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a fluke either. This isn't, you know, Brian Boyle scoring 22 goals or whatever it was that one year, uh, you know, 2011, which, you know, was just totally ridiculous. I mean, Grab Grabner, he's his shooting percentage is high, but it's partially because he's generating high percentage shots on transition plays, which which generate high percentage shots. We know much more than just settled plays in the in the offensive zone, and a lot of two on ones and a lot of breakaways. So, you know, he, he's not again. He's not scoring fifty, but this isn't just you know like some Jeremy Lin like insane run of form. Uh, he, he's, to to some extent, you know, re, the real deal. A Jeremy Lin reference. That's a, that's a <laughs> new one. Good for you. Beth? Yeah. 
I am, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking, um, not so much last year, but of course the year before, Rangers. Rangers are fast. Rangers have speed. Rangers have Kreider. Rangers have Hagelin. To actually have the guy finish on the other end now at the percentage that Krabner does, it's, I mean, it's amazing to watch. It's like, oh, that's what happens when the fast guy scores it. What, what is he at? Like 27% or something like that? Anyone? Yeah, 20, 24 it looks like. Yeah, so it's like, oh, that's, you know, when the fast guy can actually score at the other end when he gets, you know, when he breaks like that, um, <laughs> the goals really start adding up. Um, and I just, you know, I love watching him. I feel like you can, I keep, you know, people keep saying he has stone hands or whatever, but I, you know, you see him in front of Crap. the net and you can almost see the world, you know, the wheels turning in his head about where he's going to put it because he's got so much time. And that's sort of been my favorite thing to watch about him is just, you know, where am I going to put this one? And, I mean, he had that one game. I don't remember what it was. It might have even been before Columbus. He didn't even hit the net. He had a whole game where just he didn't score. Things weren't going right. We're like, okay, there's, you know, cooling off now. Like, he, he, didn't, even, he didn't even put it on net. He missed by a couple feet every time. But, you know, he came back from that and – yeah, I mean, it's just he's so much fun to watch. I mean, aside from being essentially the goose that's laying the golden eggs right now, um, yeah, it's it's just been great to actually see the the this percentage of of finishing with a goal actually attached to the speed um, that we've supposedly been known for for so long now, but haven't. Yeah. The goose that's laying the golden egg. This has been a wonderful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Jeremy Lennon, uh, the goose that yeah, laid the golden yeah, egg. Yeah, goose that laid the golden egg. Uh, Jack, before if I, I let you jump in, uh, and that is my uh, warning nope. to you. Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Just real quick. I also just want to point out, um, you know, as much as Grabner has been a good fix uh, fit for the Rangers, the Rangers are a good fit for Grabner because if you mm-hmm. look at Grabner's um, – you know, his season in Toronto last year, or even his time with the Islanders. Um, this was a guy who was playing on the top line um, or, you know, at least among the top lines, which sounds good in theory to play with a lot of skill. But the problem is you're also going up against the other team's best players. Um, and I think that has had some effect on his uh, offensive output. Um but with the Rangers, you know, like uh, we've pointed out before, like it's a nightmare if you're an opposing coach figuring out, you know, which lines you're matching against, which ones you want to put out your best defenseman against. Um, and especially because Grabner's been playing kind of a depth role for most of the season, he's not facing the other team's best players, which is which is fine. You know, the Rangers, that's good. It's a it's a it's a benefit. That's why the depth is so great. Um, so he's you know he's in a really good situation with the Rangers and that he's not expected to go up against, you know, the top players. And so uh, it's a big reason, I think, why he's scoring in, at a, in a way that he has never before. And that's just to your point, Beth, before I let you jump in, Jack, and that's the warning that you're going to be speaking in a moment. Um, <laughs> the, I don't, I don't look at his shooting percentage and immediately think, oh, that's coming back down to earth. You looked at VC's shooting percentage and you thought, oh, that's coming back down to earth. But Grabner's chances and his opportunities have been on breakaways. They've been on odd man rushes. More often than not, he's scoring goals that he creates those high op- octane opportunities. And if you're not following Adam, you should be following Adam on Twitter. 
Um, but Adam talks a lot about some of the work that he's doing with shot percentages and where a shot is taken and what percentage it has of going in and why you shouldn't block shots and, you know, all that fun stuff. So the shots that Grabner is taking are high percentage shots. So for him to be finishing at 24% isn't ludicrous. And for him to finish the year there at this pace isn't ludicrous either because the reality is when you're taking breakaway opportunities or odd man rushes, two-on-ones, three-on-ones, whatever it is, you're going to score more often than not. And that's kind of where I am with him. Let him shoot as hot as he wants because he's creating his own offense. He's creating his own opportunities. He's making things happen. Jack? All right, so this is something that was ironic that we're going to talk about this since Vegas is revealing their team name tonight. But here's something I would worry about. Let's assume Grabner has his, continues his bounce-back year, gets something like 25, 30 goals, 50-ish points. Something I think to be worried about with the rumors that tend to float around with expansion. Maybe the Rangers, with how Jeff Gordon operates, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't think this, but I just hope the idea that maybe – protecting Grabner and leaving someone like Nash or someone who should be protected, leaving them exposed over Grabner. Like if they move someone and protect Grabner, then that's fine with the way he's been playing. But I would absolutely hate to lose someone like Nash or even Foster Lindbergh, someone like that to protect Grabner, who as good as he's been at some point, he's going to come down from this hot streak he's been riding and even after this year, he's got one year left. He's going to be 31, so you don't want to be handing him a big money extension. So just obviously you enjoy the goal scoring and the great play he's been providing this season, but you got to remember that there could be a cost to it if he rides his hot streak through the rest of the year. Well, that's kind of my point. A, you sell high because I don't see a way the Rangers can protect him. But uh, just for in terms of having this conversation – I don't think the Rangers have a way to protect Nash as is without Grabner. That'll be a discussion, obviously, as we get closer, but the Rangers don't have a lot of forwards that don't need to be protected. I think it's just VC and Buchnevich on the current roster. Right. So fast Lindbergh, Nash, one of them is, is floating out there and two of them need to be unprotected. And I'm not sure the Rangers would protect a single year of Nash. I'm not, I'm not sure where they're going with that, but that'll be a conversation a little bit more appropriate as we get down there. But the way that I'm looking at Grabner and the reason why I brought up expansion in the first place is because the Rangers have lost a lot of assets for nothing the past few years. And that is a trend that needs to end immediately, especially when you're not going all in. Although with the way the Rangers are playing and the mentality that this team has, who knows whether or not the Rangers are, uh, Going to try to do one of those uh, refinance the mortgage moves like they did for Eric Stahl last year. What I'm saying is the Rangers need to make sure that they're protecting their assets. And if Michael Grabner does finish with 25 goals or 30 goals, I think there's a a lot of teams who have way too many defensemen and they can't protect all of them who are going to want to move one of them for forward. Mika was talking about this a few shows ago. It's the most natural thing in the world. When you have too many forwards, or you have too many defensemen, you make a switch because it works. And the expansion draft is going to force that because teams don't want to lose assets for nothing. Calgary has an enormous amount of decisions to make on that front with the defense. So does Anaheim. Something's going to break one way or another. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be until days before the draft, but it's going to happen. And the Rangers need to start thinking that way. Maybe not focus on it. Certainly you're not going to get rid of Grabner today. You want him for the run He's free. There's no – I meant to bring this up before when you were talking about Edom, Adam, in terms of Pumple. Getting a guy like Pumple is free. 
getting a guy like Grabner is free. The reason why Edom's mismanagement was so frustrating was because he was the NHL return for Carl Hagman. You can't just keep losing assets for nothing. And Ryan Gropp, for all the hope that the Rangers had for him and the players that they passed up on him and for all the things that are not his fault, he has had a disastrous year Mm. from Traverse City to now. And it really looks like the Rangers may walk away with nothing for Carl Hagman, which is fine because, you know, not that the Rangers traded him to Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh only won a Stanley Cup with him, so whatever. Um, let me ask this question, since we're talking about the overall play of the Rangers. We've talked about sustainability a lot. Are any of you concerned that when the Rangers are not scoring five goals a game, when the Rangers are scoring two goals a game or three goals a game or less, they're really not winning? Columbus, they lost 3-2. to two. Florida mm-hmm. is the same thing. When the Rangers lost to Carolina, it was the same thing. The Rangers are blowing teams out of the water. They've scored five goals, I think, more times than any team has this far along or whatever. Right now, the Rangers are scoring four goals a game. It's the most any team has ever had in the modern era. We're not talking about, you know, Gretzky's heyday and whatnot. Um, but does it make you nervous that when the Rangers have to lean on this defense, when the Rangers aren't dominating these games, they're not winning, Adam? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Rangers haven't won a game this season in which they've scored fewer than three goals. Um, you know, and, and part of that is because uh, they've been scoring so much that the sample size is a bit smaller than usual on that. But, you know, I think it's something like 0-6 or 0-7 in games in which they've scored um, two or two or fewer goals. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a concern. And um, the reality of the situation is that even if the Rangers finish the year first overall in goals, it, they're still going to regress to some degree, you know. Um, it, this is not sustainable this much, um, you, you know. So so at some point, you know, and I think we're starting to see it a bit, the, the goals are going to still come, just not at this crazy rate. So, you know, at that point, is it going to be back to, you know, Lundqvist bailing everybody out? Is that is that the hope again? Or is it, you know, are they going to make defensive adjustments? Um, because, yeah, it, it's a it's a concern. It's it's kind of, it's fun right now. It's you know ride ride it out for all you can. But uh, you know all the goals scored in in November and October aren't going to mean, mean much if if in April you know they're 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 still scoring a lot, but not as much as they're giving up. So it, I think it's a huge concern. Beth. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to have a goaltending conversation. Um, but, you know, if goaltending has come perhaps back down to earth, that doesn't mean it's bad. So we aren't going to get those bailouts. Um, and, I mean, like I, you know, like I said, I was glad when um, – <laughs> I was glad the Rangers had to talk about losses in which they hadn't been bailed out by goaltending. Um, and I was hoping that that would raise conversations um, about defense and yeah, I mean, especially considering, um, you know, I mean, I still think Girardi's held together with duct tape now at this point. I mean, no disrespect to the man. Um, but you know, I do worry that he's slowing down. I do worry that, um, you know, 
another long season is going to take a toll on a veteran. And, you know, so in that sense, even the decent level we're seeing now, Holden's come along. Um, I do worry that that's what we have, which is sufficient, is not going to be sustainable. And you've got to worry when sufficiency isn't sustainable. Because we're not, it's not like the, talking about the excellence on the offense not being sustainable. It's talking about sufficiency being sustainable. And, you know, when there's a crack in something, when they become insufficient, it depends on what month it is and what we still have ahead of us. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely going to be a problem. Jack? Yeah, I'm still 100% worried about what the team does when they're not scoring four or five goals a night. I don't know if you wrote about it in an article or you've just talked about it in general, but someone's noted that the Rangers aren't getting any type of puck movement or any productive offensive play from their defensemen outside of McDonough. So that's an issue that teams are going to be able to key in on in a playoff series. That you, I suppose you can in the regular season, but you're not breaking down the film as extensively as you are compared to a playoff series. And their metrics are good right now. This isn't last year. They're leading the league in expected goals, but if Ryan McDonough is your basically your only puck-moving defenseman that can do that for 25 minutes a night and do it well, teams are going to be able to key in on him, and the entire Rangers offense is just going to suffer, and they can just strangle them with a trap or whatever they want to display. It's just very worrying. And whether the answer is – I don't think the answer is Shattenkirk. Maybe it's a Cody Franson. Maybe it's whatever bargain bin trade deadline option comes up this year, but they need to do something on the blue line to make Dougie sure that Hamilton, doesn't happen. Perhaps? Tammy Vatnin, I mean, you know someone. I mean, I would trade for him if the cost is right. I would definitely make a move for him, but I don't really think Calgary's looking to move him. I just think that's the media kind of, you know, looking for something that's not there. I don't think he's available, but if he is, Rangers should be all over him. We are, uh, we're good at that. The media doing crazy things. Um, McDonough, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. McDonough and Shea have been the two guys that I've been most impressed with in terms of puck moving, but we talked about this last week too. <laughs> You're getting 10 points out of Holden. Uh, Girardi has six points. Klein has six points. Stahl has four points. Uh, the Rangers are getting offense from their defense. Now, to what you mean, the Rangers aren't really getting that puck transition offense from their defense outside of McDonough and sometimes Shea. And, where Shea is a little unique is that he's capable of moving the puck from defense to offense on his own, joining the rush and, and carrying it in with possession. It's something he was great at with the Wolfpack, as Adam notoriously detailed uh, last year. McDonough is more of that home run pass, hit the guy on the breakaway type of play, and Clendenning is that guy too, and the Rangers need more of that. Where you get concerned is the Rangers have won close games this year, but they've won close high-scoring games. The Rangers have not won, like Adam said, games where they, they've scored, what was it, two or fewer, three or fewer? Is it three or fewer? Fewer, fewer than three goals they have not won this year. So that is a concern because the playoffs, things really do tighten down. and You haven't seen it to this point. Maybe teams are waiting for the Rangers to slow down, but teams that come in with a dedicated strategy to shut down the neutral zone and use Columbus as a really good example. Beth brought this up after the game. When the Rangers tried that little drop pass to a guy with speed in the neutral zone to come in with possession, which, by the way, when it works, is an unbelievable upgrade over whatever the Rangers are doing last year, 
Columbus sat in the neutral zone and they blocked those passing lanes. And the next thing you knew, the Rangers had no answer. Florida kind of did the same thing. Against Pittsburgh, they sort of clogged the neutral zone in the first period, and the Rangers just ran over them in the final 40 minutes. But the Rangers don't have an answer when other teams come in and just shut down the neutral zone. In their struggles against Edmonton and Boston, that was exactly what happened. Against Carolina, that was what happened. So when the Rangers are struggling to get through the neutral zone and they're struggling to create offense, they're not winning games. If you rely on this defense, you're not going to win that many games. I often cite Lundqvist as the great eraser. If anybody out there should be thanking their lucky stars, it's Dan Girardi. Because Dan Girardi got that contract, <laughs> so did Mark Stahl, because Henrik Lundqvist has been cleaning up their mistakes for years. Henrik Lundqvist makes this team better than they are. He makes the defense look better than they are. He makes the coaches look better than they are. He makes the offense look better than they are. The Rangers have won and lost more 2-1, to one, one nothing, 2 nothing playoff games than I care to count. The Rangers are not going in there and blowing other teams away. So you look at the body of work the Rangers put together in the playoffs. You look at the body of work NHL teams put in the playoffs. They're not those 7-4 games. There's not that 5-2 games. It's one nothing, 2-1, 3-2. And the Rangers need to be able to win those close games. They need to be able to win games where their offense isn't bailing everybody out. And I'm willing to take a pass on their possession metrics. I'm willing to take a pass on some of their scoring chance percentages and expected goals, although, like you said, those are, are higher, Jack. It's because the Rangers have been so good offensively, they're blowing teams out of the water. And there's no way to properly forecast for a team that very simply shuts the door on other teams when you're up 5 nothing. So to not win those games is concerning because the thought process is those are the games you're going to have to win in the playoffs. And when teams figure out how to shut down the Rangers, when they're meticulously watching film and they're looking at everything, I don't think it's going to be that hard right now. What makes it hard is when McDonough and Yandel and Shea and even Boyle, when those guys were capable of moving the puck through the zone because you couldn't account for all four of them. You can account for McDonough. You can account for Shea and then not worry about Klein, Holden, Stahl, and Girardi. And that's where the Rangers are right now, and that's the concern. It really is. So we'll see. I don't know. The Rangers' power play has bailed them out more this year than I ever expected them to. The Rangers' penalty kill continues to bail them out. There are a lot of things going in the Rangers' direction that I think we're kind of taking for granted right now. Even Hurt we're taking for granted. But I don't look up and down this team and think, oh, God, this is a team that's going to run through the playoffs and make their way to the Stanley Cup. They need to shore up a lot of things. Teams tighten up in the playoffs. It's just the way that it goes. Uh, we ran past the 45-minute mark. I was going to thank everybody. That's useless now. Um, <laughs> anything else anybody want to add before I go to my fun segment for the day? Yeah, uh, I, would, <laughs> I would just... Oh. We'll see. Go ahead, fun segment. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would add that the Rangers right now are, um, I think, seven, it's uh, eighth best power play in the NHL and seventh best penalty kill in the NHL, which um, is a big reason why they're winning, and that, that's fantastic. But what happens in the playoffs when it's the third period and it's a close game? We all know what happens. The refs start swallowing their whistles. Um, so that special team advantage in the playoffs, playoffs uh, goes away in a, in a big way. Um, so you, that's a big reason I think people underestimate in terms of why five on five possession, uh, I won't say possession metrics because I know, uh, 
people who yell at me for that, but you know, the shot attempt <laughs> metrics, the Corsi, that's a big understated reason why it matters so much in predicting playoff success is because special teams doesn't play as big of a role in the playoffs. Um, so the Rangers won't have, I won't say that crutch because I think it's a legitimate asset that they've earned, but um, they won't have that advantage, I will say, in the playoffs. They will, but not to the extent that they will in you know, the regular season. So it's going to be a bigger emphasis on, on five on five. Anything uh, you want to add, Beth and Jack? No. Okay. <laughs> to the fun. To the fun segment. Yeah, I'm all excited for the fun. So. You should be excited for the fun. I told Adam about it. She didn't seem thrilled, but whatever. Um, today is November 22nd. In two days, it will be Thanksgiving. And I think we should talk about what we're thankful for. Beth? <laughs> Because uh, you have been called the, you've been called negative, and yes. it bothered you, and I don't think you were negative. You can lead us off. I've been called with, a lot of things at this point. Yeah, well, who hasn't? <laughs> thankful for that. Are you thankful for that? That doesn't sound like you're thankful yes, for that. Yes, I am. I am. It keeps me humble and, and angry, humble and angry. Um, what am I thankful for? So uh, I, I assume we mean Rangers thankful? I mean, I guess it could be anything at this point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Rangers thankful. I'm going to save my other thankful for, you know, my other podcasts um, in the other realms of my life. But, yeah. I, That's I'm, messed up, but go on. <laughs> I'm thankful I'm not for thankful paradigm for shift on the <laughs> – Hush. I'm thankful for the paradigm shift on offense and the change in how we think of the fourth line and how transformative it's been and how clear it seems to be that we're not going to go back to the way things used to be. Uh, I'm thankful for Michael Grabner and Brady Shea, and uh, I'm thankful that uh, we may have a team, uh, it's too soon to say, but I'm going to take last night possibly as an example, and we'll see how this plays out, that may be able to adjust um, during a game in a way that we hadn't seen previously. Uh, to change the machine to the one it needs uh, to get through to the end with a win. Um, So I'm going to be thankful for that thing that hasn't completely proven that it exists yet, uh, but I'm going to stick my neck out and go ahead with that. So as of right now, oh, and I am always thankful for Rick Nash and anyone who isn't thankful for Rick Nash doesn't deserve Rick Nash and is is a crab person. Next. Jack. Uh, I guess I'm thankful for the Rangers scoring depth finally being a thing. I'm thankful to you, Joe, for letting me come on the podcast for the first time in six months. It's been a while, but I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the Rangers finally playing real watchable hockey again for them taking the lead, not just instantly showing. I don't dread looking for dread looking forward. I don't dread watching Rangers games anymore. I'm actually having fun with the team this year. And it's been a nice surprise because I didn't good this year with what the defense being what it was, but they've been fun to watch and they've been legitimately good. So thankful for that. Adam. Oh boy. Um I'm thankful for um the Rangers not taking preseason seriously because a lot of people were ready to send Brady Shade down and cut Michael Grabner off of uninspiring preseason small samples. 
And now both have been, you know, are two of the most important players on the team. Um, let's see. I am thankful for Gordy Clark because without him, the Rangers would be in a lot of trouble. Um, and, you know, a lot of the talent that is on this team, um, I mean, I'm not going to list all the names because it's, it's so many. I'd be sitting here and naming half the team, but um, he's, he's made big contributions to helping the Rangers, um, you know, sustain competitiveness, you know, even though he's been on, you know, metaphorically a tight budget. Uh, with a little room for error. So, and, um, you know, and now the prospect pool is stocked with a lot of uh, quality goaltending prospects who are going to be ready right around the time that Henry Lundqvist is, you know, uh, fading. So I am very thankful for him. Let's see. Um, I'm very thankful for Chris Kreider making stupid faces because <laughs> it's uh, – very, very important to team chemistry. I am thankful for, let's see, I'm thankful for Kevin Hayes losing 20 pounds. Um, well, thankful is, for that. It has to happen every episode. We need to talk about him losing 20 pounds. Nah, I'm, I'm just so thankful for it. And I am thankful for <laughs> um, Joe putting up with my crap for way too long. So, yeah. I am not thankful for that, for what it's worth. But, no. you know, that is what it is. <laughs> Um, ah. I guess I guess I'm thankful for the Rangers being exciting again. I, I, last year was I've talked about this before. W- one of the best things about 2014's run to the Stanley Cup final was how unexpected it was and how exciting it was and how you didn't expect it. You were just on this roller coaster, and yeah, it didn't end the way that you wanted it to. But top to bottom, you loved what you were. You loved the ride. And the Rangers have their first-round pick again. The Rangers have youth in a lot of good places. Hartford has some prospects that you finally get to see in North America with Kovacs and Stromwall and Bunievis. And you have Bushnevich and Jimmy VC, Kevin Hayes, JT Miller. The Rangers are still a really young team. I'm really thankful for the fact that you can't turn off the games anymore because you don't know when the Rangers are out of a game before. I mean, honestly, when was the last time you were this excited about a hockey team? and at least in New York, I should say. And I think last year may have sucked when it happened, but I made the argument that it might have been the best thing to happen to the Rangers because it would have forced change. And at least to this point, it has forced change on on one side of the puck rather than the other. But still, um, I'm thankful for the youth on this team. Really, you look at the Rangers right now, and if I would have told you last year would have had to have happened to get you to where you are right now, I think a lot of people would have signed up for it. And I am always thankful for Henrik Lundqvist and and what he's accomplished and what he's been able to accomplish. So uh, he is definitely – there is going to come a time when he is no longer the New York Rangers goaltender, and – Oh, be sad. my God. Oh, my God. Some of you people are going to figure out what it is in real life. Uh, you're going to figure it out. And I'm pausing because there is a – I'm not going to name names, but there is a notorious Lundquist hater out there in the Rangers verse. Oh, and uh, I just found out today he, oh, knows my, he knows one of my coworkers. <laughs> I know so, who you're talking about. Oh, yeah, man. that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, we're going to have to figure that out. But there's no way he's looking <laughs> Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and you know, um, if, since we're talking about prospects, I'm going to butcher his name. Adam, help me out here. Shesh, Sheshkarin? 
Sheshkorin? Shestorkin. Shestorkin? Yeah, whatever. Um, I'm going to have to learn how to say it because I'm really thankful for him. He is putting up numbers that are unheard of in in the KHL, especially for a goaltender his age. And it looks like his kind of blossom and ascension to the throne is going to perfectly coincide with the end of Henrik Lundqvist's career in New York. And I've been thinking a lot about, I don't know why, but football comes to mind with quarterbacks. You have Brett Favre on the Packers, and then you get Aaron Rodgers, you have Peyton Manning, and and then you get um, Andrew Luck. And I don't know what those teams did to deserve those opportunities, but the Rangers may have something like that with uh, Lundqvist and Sheshkorin, Shestorkin. Shestorkin. Beth, can you say his name? Because you, you couldn't say Grabner and Gerby in the beginning of the preseason. So this will make I, I can see it in my head, but I'm not even going to try to say it. Gerbney? Especially after Grab- listening to you. Gabner, Grabney. whatever it was. Gerbner yep. Gra- and Grabney. Those were, yep. ah, those were fun times back when we didn't know what was going on. Um, <laughs> Adam, since I brought him up, do you have anything you want to add there? Obviously, this would be a better conversation with, with AJ, uh, AJ Ranger, who is well, uh, Alex well, residential. Well, he's the no, Europe. I mean, what do you want me to do? No, he's Shostakin's the real deal. He uh, mechanics. He used to be when he was drafted, very athletic goaltender, um, but mechanics weren't so great. But the mechanics now, really, really top notch. And once once Ben Wilder gets his hands on him, you know, watch out. We'll see. Um, you know, but what really blows my mind is now, like thinking about it, is that probably some teenagers out there who have never seen the Rangers without Henry Lundqvist, you know? <laughs> um, and that, that just blows my mind. That, 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 that makes me feel old. That makes me feel old because, I mean, I remember as far back as Richter, you know, when his body was starting to break down. But then I remember, you know, the Mike Dunham years, you know, uh, UC Markkinen, Kirk McLean. I mean, we could, we could go on, you know, where, <laughs> where goaltending, goaltending was not just bailing the Rangers out, but was actively – you know, a major problem. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of spoiled, spoiled teenagers out there um, who are going to be faced with a, a dark reality one day. Um, so, I, what, I, I you're 25? Absolutely amazing. Adam? What? Are you 25? I am 24. Holy crap. You're, so you're 24. All right. So I'm 28. And I remember the tail end of Richter. I, maybe I blacked it out. I don't remember. I remember Dunham being awful, but I don't really remember him all that much. Maybe I totally was, blacked that out of my memory. No, he was actually um, pretty good, but no Lundqvist. Well, no, no one is Lundqvist. Um, right. You know, the, Kevin, the Kevin Weeks was, that was a time. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm not thinking of Dunham. I'm thinking of, who am I thinking of? Was Vernon a ranger for a period of time? No. No? Blackburn, maybe? No, because Blackburn I was super excited about. And then Should we just start he, naming goaltenders? Get yeah, there. this is what we're, we're thankful for. He had, he I had, mean, Bezos and Mazzotti. Um, God, this this is taking a I like when the Tony time gets a little crazy, but this definitely, uh, this was, I was not expecting it to get here. Um. Yeah, and it's a good thing, too, because Halverson has kind of fallen off the face of the earth, uh, and he feels the need to announce his political opinions all over the place, which is not fun. Um, Skapsky is kind of – he's been – I think he's found his game a little bit more this year, 
than probably that disaster of the year last year. But uh, I mean, Adam, you can, you're definitely the expert on him in terms of him kind of getting to the NHL. Is that something we're expecting to see? Skowski? Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, I mean, obviously Shesterkin's kind of pushed his way to the top of the, of the depth chart. Um, but then after him, I mean, you look at Skowski, Halverson, Huska, Tyler Wall, um, they're kind of all, you know, in a, in a way, neck and neck um, for, for various different reasons. Um, some are struggling a bit more than the others, but uh, I, I think it's safe to say that um, the Rangers are going to have a replacement for Lundqvist in-house, and it's going to be a good one. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we see this very often in sports. It's, you know, um, you know, there's no good situation in which to replace, you know, the best there was, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's impossible to ask anyone, you know, whoever it is um, outside of maybe Carey Price uh, to replicate, replicate what Lundqvist has done with the Rangers. Um, so again, I think people are going to be in for a harsh awakening who are a bit naive uh, and don't know better, but you know, we'll, we'll see. God, Tyler Wall, too. I'm thankful for the Rangers. Goaltending prospects. My God, there's mm. from a position that was absolutely barren to probably one of the stronger ones in the NHL. That's, uh, mm. that's a big jump. Uh, anything anyone else wants to add to be thankful for? <laughs> no? Well, I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for the website. For those of you who are listening, I don't care how sappy it is. Uh, and I'm thankful for our Patreon subscribers slash helpers. You guys are awesome, and it's going to make the show better. Woo! Uh, Like I said, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're going to the Ranger game on Wednesday against Pittsburgh, I will be there. We'll do a little meetup. I think Tony and Fifty are going to be there. I I have no idea what my wife is doing upstairs. She's either going to war with... uh... Now, Mike used to always have the police. Which one of you out there is on cops right now? Jesus. Um... That was me, I think. I'm sorry. I live on Ocean Parkway. It gets loud. What did you do? Uh, All right. This this podcast has gotten silly enough, and Beth has pies in the oven, and she told me she was going to murder me if I made it go too long. So I don't want that to happen. Uh, Thank you all for listening to the show. We will go back to Wednesdays whenever the Rangers aren't playing, and it's not Thanksgiving. Uh, You can follow me at Blue Shirt Banter. You can follow Beth at Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Adam is Adam Z. Herman. Jack is J-M-C-K-E-N-N-A-1610. I don't know what the 1610 is for, but... uh... Broussard and Gabrick. Ah, Broussard and Gabrick. That's sad. That's really depressing. Does anyone else think Grabber looks like Gabrick? I never saw no. that. Maybe it's because he's always got like the goatee going, but I never saw that. Is that just me? I see Gabrick in Br- Grabner literally every time that I see Grabner. I think it's Gabrick. Uh, okay, I'm just weird. Um, Beth, you can also find at uh, blueshirtpanther.com slash riveters. You should probably be checking that out because there's a lot of crazy crap going on with the uh, National Women's Hockey League that Beth and Mike have been all over for us. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Hopefully that ends up better than what it is. Um, And yeah, you can see, uh, give Jack a lot of props too. I'm thankful for your 
some of your pictures that you found are just spectacular. And it's definitely, it's <laughs> this, the old retro photos have definitely caught some people's attention. I love it. And um, I'm thankful for Adam whenever he decides to write stories, which is like, you know, it happens uh, once in a blue moon or something like that. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We will see you on the other side of the holiday, hopefully stuffed and full of turkey and stuffing and all that fun stuff. Beth, I hope your pie didn't burn. And uh, we will see you next week. Good night. Good night. Bye.